Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media. Today we're discussing Mr. Robot, Season 4, Episode 8. Before we jump into the review, we're going to do a little bit of feedback from the previous episode. Derry C. said, I'll never forget how the reveal made me feel. I covered my mouth with my hand, and the tears just started to stream. It immediately put a pain in my chest. It felt so real. Rami's acting felt so good that the scene deeply hurt me. I was genuinely upset and had to remind myself that Rami is an actor and he is okay. There was a speculation that behind the scenes that Rami Malek was... uh, a little bit withdrawn during the filming of season four, and this kind of uh, this, I mean, this episode would explain why. I mean, having to you know bring those type of emotions to uh, you know your work and having to kind of get out of that phase has got to be difficult. You know, the, uh, to have to build all that emotion up and have to you know regurgitate it every time. Hoffa Ball says, uh, "Mr. Robot." "Quote unquote," taking over Elliot's body has a whole new meaning, and absolutely it does. I, I mean, after the last episode, pretty much all interactions with Mister Robot and flashbacks with his uh, um, with his father are completely recontextualized. Everything's kind of flipped on its head. Um, a lot of people were talking about. Um, you know, the specific signs that uh, uh, make way more sense now that um, we understand that he was being uh, abused. Specifically, uh, Creighton Divinity says, uh, you know, what signs? They, you know, they asked, um, you know, what signs were we, should we have been looking for um, through the previous seasons? And like I said, uh, I don't remember if I said this in the previous podcast yet, but going through the seasons, ep, you know, season one, episode one, we're dealing with uh, Ron from the, uh, Ron the pedophile from the coffee shop. Um, season two, um, uh, in the middle of the season, we have to deal with uh, Craig Robinson's character. Season three, we get a flashback of uh, young Elliot being really cold and callous to his father at the movie theater, and we don't exactly understand what what what's the what what's going on when we first watch it we think that uh all of this animosity is built up from Elliot to his father it's all because of him being sick but you know once we all once we realize that uh Elliot doesn't like being touched he's uh extremely sensitive when it comes to you know um, taking out people that are considered pedophiles. I mean, throughout the seasons, we take out Craig Robinson, Ron, coffee shop guy, Jake Busey's character at the beginning of this season. And there is a theme that is going throughout the entire Mr. Robot um, series that really has to do with trying to rid of you know pedophiles and uh, sexual abusers of all kinds, I guess. And it's it's kind of in the background is what I would say. It's not like specifically up up front and spoken. And so I saw a couple of comments that said, you know, oh yeah, I was, you know, uh, uh, that's what 
people had been guessing a few times. I didn't hear anyone. I, I mean, I, I've listened to a few podcasts, Bald Move, Posha Recaps, and a couple of uh, interesting guys on YouTube, but I didn't hear anyone say that, you know, that was what they thought that the Mr. Edward Alderson was, uh, you know, abusing uh, Elliot. I did not see anyone say that, but uh, some people apparently say otherwise. They go, oh, yep, I got that. So um, one more comment. We have, uh, let me see, someone got a lot of likes on this one, I think. Um, oh, Jason was born. They said they shouldn't have killed that guy off, which is implying Vera. Um, there was so much character development in that one episode. I thought that just from the Vera side of the story, it was amazing. I, I mean, we learned so much about what, where he has, where he's been, what he's been doing, kind of his like insight into why he's such a, uh, kind of, I, I don't want to say an insightful gangster, but I mean, he's much more metaphysical than any other quote unquote gangster that we really come across in most television. I mean, he's not just, you know, uh, guns blazing he's this you know really deep it he's always in deep thought it, it really seems like but it's always like a combination of him being on like strong out on like meth or something like that but also he's coming up with these crazy astronomical you know metaphysical ideas and stuff like that so he's he was a really interesting character i'm i'm personally glad that we're kind of moving on from the vera stuff um, he's kind of small shrimp and, you know, in the larger scheme of things. So yeah, he's, he gave another great performance. Um, I kind of have a mixed, you know, mixed feelings of him kind of getting stabbed in the back at the very end by, uh, Krista and then him falling on the floor and then the lights go out. I'll, I'll just say real quick that, uh, I, I liked the execution of it. I'm not sure if that really is the way I wanted him to go out. You know, he did some pretty heinous things to uh, people that we, we really care about, uh, Shayla and stuff like that. So uh, I'm just glad that, you know, he got his just desserts, if that if that makes sense. I, I do have a criticism of that last episode. I haven't gone back and rewatched or anything, but I remember as it was happening when... Elliot was kind of having all these emotions go through him and, you know, pass, pass through him. And he's just learning all about the, you know, the abuse he had to do And act five outside is like a whirlwind. It's like the thunders crashing and the lightning's going insane. Every time Rami's at the, at the window kind of yelling his heart out. And it's kind of like the, the weather and atmosphere is reflecting how he feels. And so I thought that it was a little bit um, excessive, not quite campy or over maybe slightly a little over, just a little bit over dramatic. I felt like it's such an important revelation that it was starting to take away a little bit from uh, the performances in a way, and th that's just kind of my only criticism about it. I understand it was supposed to be kind of like a stage play and whatnot, but I just uh, I. I it, it did feel like it, I, my 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 attention was going towards the atmosphere, uh, kind of intruding into the storyline, and not so much of thinking about. I was like, 
you know, this big re- revelation. And so kind of going back and uh, reanalyzing the episode, that's probably one of my biggest criticisms. But it it didn't ruin the episode by anything for me. I just thought it was just a little bit like we didn't necessarily need it in such an uh, such an intense time in the series or in the episode is what I mean. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's hop into the review. So I watched just a little bit of Seven and I... Just wanted to say once again, the signs of realization that Rami Malek displays uh, are amazing. It's like several different signs of emotion of him just coming to realization that he has been abused as uh, a, a, a boy. And it is just an amazing feat to watch, um, obviously, because of the nature of how hard it is to watch, it's not something you're like aching to go back and rewatch. Me personally, but it uh, is still an amazing episode. So going to episode eight, we have completed episode eight, and I will say this is a very different type of episode. Just as the last few episodes have been, I will say that I'm a little bit more on the mixed side on it. Uh. I did like some of the flashback scenes and some of the callbacks that we have uh, in regard to the uh, museum and having uh, some of our favorite characters come back throughout the episode. We have a little bit of Tyrell. We have a little bit of Angela. But ultimately, there are a lot of confirmed theories regarding Mr. Robot and uh the wrapping up of a couple of important plot lines. I will say, uh, I had some mixed feelings on the direction on some of the plot lines. I did think that the Janice, Darlene, and Dom plot line was a little bit on the weaker side, and I started to feel kind of sag toward the latter half. Um, I guess it's kind of easiest to talk about each one of these, uh, plot lines by individual characters. So we go from uh, Elliot. He's like in straight up shock. Um, I, I, I was like not expecting him to be just completely shut off. But um, we get some nice flashbacks of what happens to be later events. And we go down into the museum and we find out that uh, he, young Elliot had been... Uh, I guess he put uh, the bedroom key that his father used to use to get into his bedroom uh, as a kind of a sign of a way he was trying to fight back uh, against the abuse. And I, you know, I do recall discussing that episode and the kind of significance and uh, the relevance of having just this, the sheer amount of mystery regarding that episode there's a key there's the fish there's the angela they're getting married she's like you put the key in the blue blue and you can't really tell what's going on and then i'm pretty sure it's the same episode he's in the mirror where angela and mr robot and elliot are all shifting faces in the mirror it's just like a crazy episode and at one point tyrell has uh the bedroom key and uh i i know i said that all out of order but overall it's uh it's feels like the episode is blended up and then like the important parts of the mystery are taken out of episode three and all the detail is just like when you watch that episode you're like what the fuck's going on this is the episode 
that fills in all the answers and uh, and in the all the questions that we've had for the past few weeks are relatively answered within this episode weeks years it's since uh season one so i <clears throat> i had always had like theories and thoughts about you know this what the key and what the signifier is and i guess tyrell at one point talks about possibly knowing uh his his secret and I'm not really sure what the significance of Elliot or Mr. Robot telling Tyrell that at all would be. My only reason to think that Tyrell knows is because in the flashback or in the in the scene uh, where Tyrell is sitting in season one, episode like three or four, or whatever, when uh, Elliot's tripping balls, he sees Tyrell sitting at his desk with the key that we eventually find in this episode of the museum. And so my guess is that Tyrell actually does know about this uh, abuse. Now, I'm not really sure why why Elliot would tell him that or what the significance of him knowing that would be. And, and what does it mean? It, it could just be all for nothing. Um, there's a couple of uh, podcast jabs from Janice talking about... Uh, lightning hitting limestone and making cement she just has she has some very weird and odd dialogue i as a dark army recruit i think janice has by far been the weakest of the past uh what was it irving in season three and then leon season two they they i don't think it was really difficult to top uh irving and something about janice's portrayal of the character just um I don't know the, the the entire the entire Dom Dom uh, Darlene and Janice scene really did. I'm not really sure what it lacked. I I, I almost right off the bat, uh, Dom is is stabbed by um, what's it called? Um, let me see. Oh yeah, so Dom is stabbed by Janice, and the fact is, I I never felt like Dom was, I guess, dying quick enough. If that makes sense, I I mean she was obviously suffering. They they talk about Janice goes into a deep detail about what's going to happen, or a, a descript detail about what's going to happen to her if there's not medical attention applied to her. I'm like, if medical attention is not applied, this this lady is as good as fucked. Like, she is, she's in a bad state. I, I noticed every time that we cut to Darlene, I really did feel like we were having a flat betrayal from her. I don't normally feel that from Carly Shaken's uh, performance. But something about this episode... She was like, "Oh, I really, I really didn't feel like I was getting the uh, emotion from her. I felt like it m- most of the time. If I saw somebody that I, you know, I had a crush on or you know, potentially loved get stabbed in the chest, I wouldn't be like, oh no, I don't know how to do something or reach somebody.' Or you know, I, I felt like her emotion." 
was just like really lacking. I I felt like she was almost tired. If like we find out that she has something, like, you know, she was knocked in the head and she's just like still dazed and confused. I guess that makes sense. But I really was, uh, she was lacking for me. I and I I'm curious if y'all were experiencing the same thing. Um, you know, let me know in the comment section, of course. Um, I kind of forgot to mention, uh, Peanuts and Javi when they go up to find, uh, Vera, they kind of have like a little Pulp Fiction Arby's five for five deal. They're, they're trying to kind of do like a rift on like how they're talking like a Royale with cheese and, uh, uh, Pulp Fiction and it, it's kind of like hammy and I'm not really sure if it, it's going to jive with, it, with everyone, but it's okay. Um, a lot of kind of smooth callbacks or kind of homages of, of sorts is what I would probably more or less compare it to. Um, I kind of felt like A Clockwork Orange was kind of evoked here with the um, with the breaking in of um, Dom, Dominic's uh, family's house. I really liked how that was all in relatively one shot and I mean it evoked some amazing fear from in uh just uh it it was an explosion of suspense that went from like you're like oh my gosh I think something's gonna happen to, to something like holy fuck you start seeing those guys coming in the house you're like oh fuck or like right before they come in the house you see the the, the boys um expression and you're like oh my gosh something big's about to happen and of course the music bumps up again and it's got this uh really dark tone that you're watching on screen with this really bright music and that's what really reminds me of uh the kubrickian clockwork orange um how the he, he was always evoking like almost terrible imagery with uh i think it was beethoven so let me check the notes real quick um so after, um, I, I, I was, um, I was originally just going to talk about each individual, um, uh, storyline, but I thought following young Elliot kind of was like derailing the story a little bit. And I was like, this is a good revelation, but I feel like it's compressed is what I would probably yeah, yeah, I would say it's compressed. It happened almost too quickly, this revelation to go to the museum to do all this. Like, what is the point in find? I, I understand the cathartic feeling of maybe saying your young self actually was fighting back in a way, or his Mr. Robot self was, because apparently he existed when he was that young. Um, But honestly, the... Uh, the timing in it is what really bothered me. I was like, Darlene and, and the hack and the dark army and, and, and shit's going down and you're over here trying to follow your young self down the subway, trying to have some like, you know, self-reflective moment. And it, and visually it's amazing to go back into the museum. I love seeing that, you know, little, a massive, um, 3D, I guess, I don't know, 3D model scaled map or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, but yeah, so we find out the, uh, 
the monster that is referred to in I I think it's episode three or four in episode season one. Um, the monster was his father, which makes sense. Um, he hid the key in the museum to fight back, and I really did feel like this was a massive exposition dump, and I I want to say that I kind of. I felt like he was giving us 90% and then he had to tell us another 40% and it just felt like an overload of information. It's like, yeah, I get it. He was, uh, you know, he's a, he was abused and now we this is a moment to fight back. But I guess just putting the self-reflective moment in such a high-intensive t- moment of, you know, like the dark armies going on, Dom's about to get fucked up or Darlene's about to get fucked up, someone's about to get fucked up and he's over here just doing this, you know, uh, hide-and-seek, self-reflective game in the museum, and I'm just like, I'm like, yo, Elliot, let's go, let's go, let's go. I I, I, I don't know if it's uh, me personally or if that's how what everyone's feeling, but um, I do think all clues fit. Um, still not sure about the exposition dump. There is, um, let me see, let me see, let me see. The tension in the Janus scenes, I, uh, I think, are very strange, yes. And uh, did anyone get the commercial of the next episode before the end of this episode, like 10 minutes before the end of the next episode? Like, what is the thinking in that, USA? Like... Y'all are doing so good with the the commercial um, placings, and you know the you know when it looks like the television on or when it looks like the show's turning off, another cool commercial pops on that's actually a real commercial. But you know, it, they put a, it's almost like a spoiler alert. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa! Like I I swear I start hearing Christian Slater's voice um, for next week's episode or something like that before the end of this episode, and Christian Slater was even on screen. So I was like. Y'all are telling us that Mr. Robot or yeah, Mr. Robot's gonna come back. Don't you know, don't tell us that on through a commercial. I was just like, who the fuck put that there? I was like, that is ridiculous. Don't put the spoilers like ten minutes before the fucking end of the episode, dumbasses. Jeez, getting 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 mad over here. I mean, it just seems like a simple thing not to do. Did I don't I wonder if anyone else got that. Um so eventually, uh, Dom pulls the knife out of her uh, chest after informing Janice that the lucky Irish bastard, I think, has killed the entire Dark Army that was taking over her family. And this is the Irish guy, Irishman from like the first episode, I think. And this guy has had, like, next to no line. I think he's had, like, one line in the first episode. And this deus ex Irish dude, I, 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 everyone was, everyone was putting money on it being Leon and Leon coming in to save the day. Or I don't know if, I don't know how Dom would have known Leon, but somehow it would have been Leon. It would have made ten times more sense that that would happen than this, in my opinion. Because having this guy come out of nowhere was just like, 
wait, who are you again? You wait, you were in this this season, and I don't even know. I, like, and we're calling you the Irish guy just because you have this thick accent. It's like, come on. That, that sometimes this show feels so smart when it comes down to like uh, placing conversations about you know with Angela and Elliot in the museum. It's like that was rooted in season one. But then we have this like Deus Ex Irish dude come out of nowhere, and it kind of feels like it takes the wind out of the sails of how smart we were thinking. It's like ah, this was actually that one guy we put in that one scene at the very beginning. It's like um, that I don't, um, I'm I'm not I'm gonna I'm gonna raise a red flag on that. Um, I'm curious if anyone else is thinking the same thing. It's like did I? I need to go back and check, but I don't recall Dom ever having really uh, planning for this at all. And I guess we don't exactly have to see Dom plan for this, but um, could she have not have thought of this guy before she was about to kill Darlene? Like, was was this guy planned all the way back then? I feel like sometimes it's just like episode by episode. It's kind of whatever it needs to be. So it's like, you know, sometimes it's, you know. It's it's real detailed, and then other times, just like I I don't know. I sometimes I gotta call it, call it like I see it, um, and I hate to do it because this is like one of my probably top ten shows ever. I think it's one of the best looking shows I've ever seen. Um, okay, right before um, right before Janice uh, got blown up or whatever, right before Dom got like three headshots and uh, in like two seconds. Um, there was a ceiling cam that was really cool. I thought the camera work was was pretty good in this episode up until the 360 cam. I want to know anybody that was watching this on like a bigger television. Like, did were you were you were you about to like pass out from this? Because I was. I mean, I'm kind of like hungover from the other night. I'm not gonna lie. So I'm just like, oh my gosh, I did not want to. I, I mean, I I had to look down at my notes and I had I had to stop looking at the screen because of how many times it was spinning. I mean, I didn't count how many times, but uh, my guess is anywhere from five to ten, and it was fast. Like I was getting like nauseous watching it, and then by the time I, the story started kicking back in, I was so nauseous. I was like, oh my god! I was like. You know, camera work and storytelling can make you nauseous, but doing it physically, like shaking the camera around, like I haven't felt like that uh, that feeling since I was in Dunkirk after I went out partying all night and went to the Dunkirk theater showing or whatever. I went to the theater to see Dunkirk, about yacked all over the place because the damn airplanes are spinning all over the fucking screen and fucking top gunning and all up and down it was it was insane but um that's what this felt like i felt like i was spinning all around and it was just kind of i severely unnecessary like what did that do to the story you didn't need that just some like the editing is so good in this show uh 99 of the time it's like i don't want to have to go back and even rewatch that that just ugh, it was terrible but this episode definitely was a little bit more choppier on, you know, the pros and cons list. But I wanted to be fair. I didn't want to say that it was the best thing I've ever seen because, uh, 
you know, the story definitely had me at, you know, top of the game, the acting, um, generally most of it was really good. I did find, you know, Darlene's a little, eh, um, at points, but generally I thought she's pretty good. Um, is Dom going to die on the floor alone? Kind of just like the way that she's like introduced just alone. It's like, damn. Um, also the callback with her masturbating to Darlene was very, um, Sly. I mean, it makes sense why we were watching that. It's like, um, why do we need to watch that? Or why is she doing that? And so it's so we can call, you know, so Janice can use it as bait and leverage later. Um, but yeah, I, I mix feelings on the Dom plot line. I do kind of feel like they're spinning their wheels a little bit with the, the key finding and everything. I, I don't know what I wanted it to be. I honestly, there's like for it to be like a key box for him to find, you know, a videotape. He didn't. He didn't need the key to go find anything else. Or I guess it's, if if that's the end of the key plot line, I guess then so be it. I just don't want to dwell on it anymore. And I don't know. Did anyone notice that Tyrell was wearing the blue uh, shirt, very similar to the same type of blue that he was absorbed in um in the last episode we saw him in when which he probably died in so it was a interesting interesting kind of easter egg style episode with you know some of these flashbacks callbacks homages um but yeah i overall really enjoyed it check out all the other luck dog podcasts previous podcasts we have um, all cataloged on SoundCloud, the Luck Dog Podcast. Check out Twitch, um, paypal.me slash podcast um, to donate. Keep the lights going, streams flowing, and lights glowing. Did I say that already? I don't know. It's getting kind of late. So let's um, hop out of here. Um, thank you for watching. Subscribe, comment, do your thing. The Luck Dog Podcast at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, YouTube's uh, all the good stuff, all the, all your favorite social media. Thank you for listening, watching, whatever you're doing. Take it easy. Yeah, I actually kind of forgot to talk about how. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I'm just exhausted at this point. Sorry, um, Mr. Robot is definitely confirmed to be the father that um, Elliot wished he had had. And I think we had had a few um, YouTube comments about that actually explored, and that makes the most sense um, narratively. Um, The fact that it was kind of foretold way in advance does kind of feel like, eh, if I would have binged this season, it would have been probably a little bit more impactful, but I'm not going to put points against it because of that. Um, but yeah, it was definitely an, uh, an, a very impactful episode. I was actually surprised that Mr. Robot came back immediately after that commercial. Like I, the only thing I saw of the commercial was like, uh, Philip Price. And then I saw, uh, Mr. Uh, or, or sorry, I heard Christian Slayer's voice, and I was like, up, 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 up. I can't look. I can't look. I can't look. And then, like, immediately after the that commercial went off, Christian Slater's like standing in the middle of All Safe, and um, then they have their kind of little cathartic moment, and uh, you know, he's kind of telling him he's sorry, and he was 
there to take all the abuse, physical and not, you know, emotional. To, you know, he's there to take all the baggage. And um, it's kind of what you expect Mr. Robot to be. You know, it's what I would have predicted he would have been. Um, but I... I didn't think I, I always thought he was taking the the punches. I never thought he was taking the emotional punches. So um, he he was really there to help. And we get the line, the "I am not your father" line, and that was kind of an interesting twist on the line. Kind of an Empire Strikes Back callback. I was like, whoa. Um, that's bold, and it does make it kind of interesting at the end where uh, Mr. Robot kind of embraces him, uh, you know, holds him, holds uh, Elliot by his shoulders, and you know, Elliot is in a forgiving mode. He's he's forgiving him, and he's allowing him to you know uh, hold him. And uh, I did feel look felt like Mr. Robot was putting a lot of pressure on him. I was like, Jesus, can you hold? Can you calm down? But uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't. It, it was a sad scene. So um, Elliot is saying, you know, he can't do it. He can't pull off the hack. And I'm like, what? We get this far and you can't pull off the hack? Are you serious? So I was thinking that it is kind of upsetting. What what is what we're seeing versus what is actually going on? So what we're seeing is, uh, you know, him coming terms to him with himself the Mr. Robot part of himself. But in reality, he, he is alone, you know, in reality, his father's a pedophile and dead and he doesn't have a Mr. Robot in reality. So it is very interesting to think about what we're seeing versus what, versus what's really going on. So I was kind of surprised to see him kind of accept Mr. Robot back into his good graces um, this quickly, and I'm still kind of, I'm like itching to hear Elliot's voice. I'm just like, come on, I'm, I just talk to us. It's like I never realized how much I needed uh, that in the story. It feels like it's just built in the DNA of the story. I mean, it's in episode one, so Sam Esmel is really holding back on that, and I'm so surprised because Elliot, as a whole, doesn't have tons of dialogue i guess throughout the entire series now that i think about it because most of it is voiceover and if he's not talking it's like god dang it then who's talking <laughs> it's like it's uh it turns into such a a, a, a non-verbal communication style it's just like oh my gosh so all right you already know the the rest so thank you for listening take it easy this podcast is sponsored by LashRoshMedia.com. Photo, video, digital media production.